0: We are going to actually be doing a three- or four-week mini-sermon series uh, around the idea and conviction of faith. And then we're going to head off into the Old Testament about the end of January or so. And we're going to embark on a journey through the Old Testament about knowing God and studying the character of God through all the different ways He reveals Himself uh, in the Old Testament, so that's going to be exciting, but in the meantime, we're going to examine our faith, so you should have a handout somewhere near you, anybody not have a handout, uh, plenty of empty seats, so you should be able to find one, and not too far, and I'm going I'm to start out the sermon with some humility, okay. Amen? I put the wrong verse down on your handout. Did anybody catch that? So, good job. All right. It's actually Matthew 9, 29, not 25. I had written 25 down somewhere and then just typed that out. And so I have already misled you, but at least I'm aware of it and can apologize and repent. Amen? Uh, So, yeah, uh, we'll have more handouts through this mini-series. Uh, but it is Matthew 9, 29. Anyways, um, how do you feel about the new year? 2019. How, are you excited? Are you still on Christmas hangover of, you know, chocolate and cookies? I'm sure. Um, how do you feel about the new year? We're going to entitle this sermon series, According to Your Faith, a, a, uh, um, a New Year's Faith Examination. A New Year's faith examination. Uh, I love uh, the new year. Um, I like resolutions. I like goals. I like thinking about what's uh, ahead. Um, And all New Year's isn't just weight loss resolutions, though I have one of those. Uh, I've got a little ways to go in my weight loss issues. But anyways, um, but really an opportunity to examine uh, your life. Um, God at one point asked Elijah a question. He said, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Elijah? And I think God asks us that question a a lot. What are we doing here, Josh? Josh, what are you doing here? And the question, what are you doing here, Josh? (laughs) He's at church. Why are you at church? To worship God, why? Why would you worship God? He's awesome. Yeah. And yeah. Okay. You know? Um, Okay. So these questions are good for us to think about, to examine our mind, to examine our faith. They they force us to ask questions like: who am I? Where am I? Where have I been? Where am I going? You know, Socrates said an unexamined life is not worth living. I wouldn't totally agree. Um, I think if you've been given life by God, it's worth living, even if you fail to examine it. All right? So, but having said that, I think he's making a point. His point is that a life that just floats along. Um, a life that's simply acted upon by the winds and waves of various circumstances, things that happen to you, being blown and tossed about uh, by a new job or graduating from high school or getting uh, married or getting divorced or having children or not having children. You know, life that just floats along is really not why you were given the life that you have. Um, as a disciple, I would say that in an unexamined life is the result of an unexamined faith. It's true, we can start living life just in response to what's been done to us, living in a reactionary uh, type way. Uh, though when we examine our faith, We can stop just reacting to what's acted upon us or the circumstances around our life that makes us happy or sad or or builds us our confidence or hurts or whatever, and really examine our faith. When we examine our faith, we can live life out of an anchored center, amen, an anchored center of our life that is not... Uh, based on what happens to us but it's based on who God is amen who Jesus is our center being Jesus Christ our Lord and empowered not by not like a sailboat that's empowered by the winds that hopefully they come along so I can go somewhere but empowered by the Holy Spirit that is given to me at my baptism in dwelling with me within me that empowers me to live out of this center of faith with Jesus as my Lord. So this is what happens when we take the time to examine our faith. So we're going to take the next three or four weeks to walk into Jesus' faith examination room. Okay, who likes to walk into an examination room? Okay, not very many of us, I would say. Unless you're a picture of perfect health, then you love, oh yes, you know, um, not very many of us, though, we get a little nervous, and so we may feel a little nervous if Jesus were to say, um, uh, if Jesus were here today and he were to say, Rachel, if you could come with me, we're going to walk back into my um, office, and we're going to have a little how we do in Rachel time, right? How would you instantly feel? Eww, right? So would I. I'd be like, oh, send Chrissy, okay? <laughs> Um, send someone else, okay? But let's have the courage, all right? Because Jesus, every temptation you face, he faced, amen? And he's a merciful high priest. He understands, he gets it. He knows the struggles that you go through. And he's already shed his blood for the forgiveness of all your sins. So we can have the confidence to enter the Holy of Holies and really examine, uh, let him examine our faith. And uh, um, uh, through this examination... We can recenter into him empowered by the Holy Spirit. Okay, Matthew chapter 9. Matthew 9, Jesus brings six people into his faith exam room. And we're going to do this, uh, we're going to attempt to ask three simple questions um, as we examine our faith. Okay, we're going to spend three or four weeks to do this. So I want you to take this in your quiet times and study this out yourself, Matthew chapter 9. And I want you to really examine three questions. And those are on the top of your sheet, okay? What do you want? What do you want? Do you believe? And what's next? Or what's the next steps? What do you want? You know, Jesus asks this question often. What do you want? What do you want me to do for you? Okay, then he said, do you believe that I am able to do this? Do you believe? Why do you believe this? okay. Do you believe it or not? Um, and then what's next, okay? We're going to read today the whole chapter of Matthew chapter 9, and then we're going to break down these six, six people. We'll probably get through the first the first one, maybe the first two today, but we'll have some time to chew on this, and all the people who are out gallivanting today and with uh, travels can catch up next week, all right? All right. Um, But uh, why Matthew chapter 9? I want to give us a little context before we read this chapter. So Matthew chapter uh, 5 through 7 is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. So this is a foundational teaching of his ministry, attitudes, that sort of thing. Matthew chapter 8, we see a, a contrast made. Jesus makes a big contrast about people's faith. The centurion whose servant was sick and And Jesus said, okay, I'll come heal him. And remember what the centurion said? You don't even need to come. Remember what he said? He said, just say the word and my servant will be healed. See, he knew that Jesus was the author of life and created the universe with a word. Amen? So just say the word and my servant will be healed. And remember what Jesus said. He said, I have not found such great faith in all of Israel. So he said the centurion had great faith. And then the disciples were in the storm and in the boat, right, and tossed. And they were freaking out because of the waves. And they woke Jesus up. Don't you care that we drown, okay? And Jesus said, seriously, this is not a problem. Be still, another word or two, two words, actually, be still, and... The winds and the waves were completely calm. Is anything impossible for Jesus? All right? And, uh, and then he said something to the disciples. He said, I'm amazed, not at your great faith, but at what? Your little faith. Oh, ye of little faith. You know, what, why, you, why is it so hard for you to believe? Okay? And so Matthew chapter 8 presents this great faith, little faith, and I think maybe we're somewhere in between. Oftentimes I find myself in the middle of the storm, more along with the disciples, right? Freaking out, oh, what's going? doesn't God care, you know, and all this type of thing. And Jesus is like, "Mm, how much do, you know, what? And so Matthew chapter 9, he seems to set out to build the disciples' faith. Because Matthew 10, he sends them out on a mission. So in Matthew nine, we have a number of different experiences where he works with the faith of the disciples to build their faith. Ask yourself, where? How's my faith going into next year? How's my hope? What's my belief? What do I want to see happen? Okay, what's my belief that God will do it? Okay, um, so let's get in here in Matthew chapter nine, verse one. Getting into a boat, Jesus crossed over the sea and came to his own city they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralytic, Take courage, son, your sins are forgiven. Some of the scribes said to themselves, This fellow blasphemes. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why are you thinking evil in your hearts? Which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or say get up and walk, but so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, Get up. Pick up your bed and go home. And he got up and went home. But when the crowd saw this, they were awestruck and glorified God, who had given such authority to men. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting in the tax collector's booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. Then it happened that as Jesus was reclining at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors And sinners came and were dining with Jesus and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why is your teacher eating with the tax collectors and sinners? But when Jesus heard this, he said, It is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire compassion and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners." Then the disciples of John came to him, asking, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, The attendants of the bridegroom cannot mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them, can they? But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and they will fast. But no one puts a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch pulls away from the garment, and a worse tear results. Nor do people put new wine into old wineskins, Otherwise, the wineskins burst, and the wine pours out, and the wineskins are ruined. But they put new wine and fresh wineskins, and both are preserved. While he was saying these things to them, a synagogue official came and bowed down before him and said, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hands on her, and she will live. Jesus got up and began to follow him, and so did his disciples. A woman who had been suffering from a hemorrhage for twelve years, Came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak. For she was saying to herself, If I only touch his garment, I will get well. But Jesus, turning and seeing her, said, Daughter, take courage. Your faith has made you well. At once the woman was made well. When Jesus came into the official's house and saw the flute players and the crowd in noisy disorder, he said, Leave, for the girl has not died, but is asleep. And they began laughing at him. But when the crowd had been sent out, he entered and took her by the hand, and the girl got up. This news spread throughout all that land. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, crying out, Have mercy on us, son of David! When he entered the house, the blind men came up to him. And Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. And he touched their eyes, saying, It shall be done to you according to your faith. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus sternly warned them, See that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread the news about him throughout all that land. As they were going out, a mute, demon-possessed man was brought to him. And after the demon was cast out, the mute man spoke. And the crowds were amazed and were saying, Nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. But the Pharisees were saying, He casts out the demons by the ruler of the demons. Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom in healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed, dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Wow, what, a, what an amazing chapter. What an, what an amazing few days with Jesus. We don't exactly know how long all these all these situations went on, but we know that the disciples' faith was changed. The disciples went from little faith to at least more faith. And when they went out and they had incredible victories as well, being like Jesus, healing, uh, driving out demons, etc. You know, let's talk about this. Let's talk about um, the paralytic to begin, okay? So what I'd like you to do is if you have a pen or pencil... Maybe write down some things in this, in this chart. And um, what we'll do is uh, Ellen will, as we kind of go, we'll kind of type in some of the thoughts. Um, and uh, then we'll send this out. I can send this out on, on email as well to the group. <clears throat> but on the bottom line, you see um, me, okay? And that doesn't mean me as in me. That means me is in you, all right? so me what do you want do you believe and what are the next steps okay all right the paralytic the first one to be healed is the paralytic in Matthew chapter 9 it says get in the boat or excuse me verse 2 it says they brought to him a paralytic lying in bed seeing their faith I want us to open this up a little bit more in Luke chapter 5 Matthew kind of summarizes this, but Luke kind of expands a little bit more on the story. In Luke chapter 5, verse 17. It says, One day he was teaching, and there were some Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present for him to perform healing. And some men were carrying on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were trying to bring him in and to set him down in front of him. But not finding any way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down through the tiles with his stretcher into the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven you. And then the scribes and the Pharisees come with their retort, and verse 25 says, immediately got up before them and picked up what had been lying on and went home glorifying God." They were all struck with astonishment and began glorifying God, and they were filled with fear, saying, "We have seen remarkable things today." What do you want? If Jesus asked the paralyzed man, "What do you want?" What would, what would he say? "I want to walk. OK, I want to be healed." right? Now, initially, Jesus says, I forgive your sins. See, it's not always about what we want, but what we need, right? And God and Jesus know what we need. But what we want is a good question, okay? He asked the blind man, what do you want me to do for you? He asked James and John, what do you want me to do for you? Uh, uh, he asked the early disciples, what do you want? He says, well, we want to know where you're staying. It was kind of an odd response. Um, but often, Jesus asked people, what, what can I do for you? What do you want? And I think... As we head into the new year, it's important for us to ask, if God were to ask, what do you want to us for to have an answer? Okay, to know what we want, to know what we're asking for. So, to be healed, uh, it says, "Be of good courage or of good cheer." So, in other words, Jesus brings them. You know, I've got good news for you. You're forgiven, and you walk too. And then, do you believe? Do you believe? It's it's very interesting in Luke. It says. It says, uh, uh, when Jesus saw their faith. Now, wait a second. I thought faith is something that's just internal. It's like something that's just a state of our heart or a posture or an idea or a thought. Is that what faith is? Jesus saw their faith. Their faith and their actions work, were working together, right? And that's why, James, we learn that faith without deeds is dead. In other words... What we do and what we believe are going to be a parallel with one another. Whether we believe or don't believe, our actions are going to reveal that. Does that make sense? So let's, let's examine their faith a little bit. Um, their belief overcame any and all obstacles. Now, it's interesting. We don't know for sure if the paralytic, it was the paralytic's faith or it was his friend's faith. But we can imagine... Uh, the paralytic saying, hey, guys, can you take me to Jesus, right? And so maybe it was his faith, or maybe it was the friends saying, hey, dude, Jesus is teaching over there. Let's get you to him, all right? But it, either way, it was their faith that was involved, okay? So they overcame all kinds of difficulties. It's often typical of, of us as humans to desire things to, be, to come quick and easy, right? We want things to happen, but we want it to happen easy, and we want it to happen quick. That's one of the the blessings, I'll call it blessings of education. Who's in high school or college, okay, Um, or have been through these things, okay? Do you ever wonder, like, what in the world does this have to do with my life later on? You ever feel that way? And sometimes there's a disconnect, right? Okay, do we have any teachers or professors here? Okay. Uh I would like to ask the teachers, what would you say to that student who says this has nothing to do with my life? Anyone? Anyone. <laughs> do it anyway, okay? <laughs> what would you say, Chrissy, you're, you, what would you say to put you on the spot? Um well, there's always a lesson to be learned. Amen. No okay, there's always a lesson to be learned. Mm-hmm. Any any other I think one of the things that education does is it builds your character, right? Because doing things we don't always feel like doing is actually a lesson in and of itself, right? Um, Anyways, I can say that because I've just gotten done with years and years of education. And uh, for some of it, I didn't feel like it had anything to do with my life. Anyways, um, we want things easy and quick, all right? Um, But we have to submit to the process, okay? So... Let's go to Jesus, okay? And so first of all, let's say it's the friends. Hey, let's, let's get you to Jesus. And then we come to Jesus, G- but guess what? There's a huge crowd. Oh, bummer, crowd. Guess it's too full. No, you know what? Let's figure out a way to get around the crowd. Some, somewhere, let's say there's four friends, five friends in the paralytic, and someone's like, you know what? Let's figure out a way to get to Jesus despite the crowd. How are you going to do that? I don't know. Well, he's inside. I know. Someone says, let's climb up on the roof. The second story, right? Because there's usually holes and we can just lower him. How are we going to get a paralyzed guy up on the roof? And the paralyzed guy is like, man, I haven't worked out in years. Okay, I'm overweight. I'm really heavy. I don't know if you guys, hey, we can do it. Let's just get more friends. So hey, they get more friends, and they they get a pallet. It could be a mat. Another version says a pallet. Okay, Something sturdier, maybe. And they put them on it, and they start carrying up the steps. Okay, So then they get up to the roof, right? And guess what? There's no hole in the roof. It's like, well, there's no hole in the roof. I guess we can't do it. No, hey, you you know what? Let's make a hole in the roof. And dude's like, um, that's a problem, okay? Because roofs are expensive. <laughs> now, we don't know exactly what their roof is made of, okay? But, but uh, uh, let's well, you know, the owner's not going to like it. You know what? We'll apologize later, okay? This guy needs to be healed. And so they start digging a hole. You can't dig a hole in the roof. What if Jesus is sitting here teaching, and all of a sudden a big chunk comes down on his head and hurts him? You know what? He's Jesus. He can just have the power to make that, use the force, make this chunk go over there, okay? You know, the Pharisees and Sadducees, they're all uptight about everything. They're going to be really upset that we're interrupting their class. I don't care what the Pharisees and Sadducees say. Let's get him into Jesus, okay? So they make a hole, and then they, they have us like, we got a problem. How are we going to lower him? We need some ropes. I don't have any ropes. Who has some ropes? I don't know. I got some ropes, but it's the other side of town. Run, get them, dude. Call on your cell phone, have someone else bring them over, okay? And so they get them, they get the ropes. Do you see what I'm, the point we're trying to make? All of a sudden, they're lowering him right before Jesus. And it says, When Jesus saw their faith. What a powerful moment. When you say, when Jesus saw their faith, when he saw their love for their friend, when he saw the, the solutions, all the things they overcame, the crowd, the roof, the hole, the lowering, the, the getting up on the roof, he's, he's like, man, your faith inspires me. Okay? So, do you believe? They had to have a faith, a belief, that overcame any and all obstacles. Faith Overcomes difficulties, challenges, obstacles to what they wanted. You know what was next? They saw the crowd; it was too busy. We got to get, go through the roof. They what was next? They to summarize kind of this section. They had to work together. Okay, faith requires us to work together. All right, to go solo. Any New Year's resolution or any New Year's faith thing that you set out. To go it alone is going to be trouble. So you gotta find a friend. You gotta find a partner, all right? And then you gotta find solutions and execute a solution, okay? Execute a solution. Don't execute your friend, find a friend and execute the solution, okay? And Modus I didn't just put find a solution. A lot of us are good at finding solutions, but we don't actually carry them out, okay? So we have to find a friend. Find a partner, grab more resources to get the job done, and then execute the solution. All right, let's move on to Matthew, okay? We'll do Matthew, and then we'll take communion, and the message will be yours. Let's get back to Matthew chapter 9. Verse 9, Jesus went on from there. He saw a man called Matthew sitting in the tax collector's booth. He said to him, follow me, and he got up and followed him. Now, this is a little bit, I think this, at the surface, can seem pretty simple. What do you want? want to follow Jesus, okay? He says he was a tax collector, okay? So up until this time, he had, in essence, followed his greed. He had followed his greed, and he had uh, used... Tax collectors in this day were, I mean, I don't know how you would feel about an IRS agent, probably not, whatever, he's just doing his job, but tax collectors cheated the people. They were super greedy. They cheated the people. They took and demanded more than the typical share. That's how they made a living. So Matthew, or Levi, was a greedy, someone who was compromised. He cheated people. He cheated himself. He wanted to have a lot probably had a lot, but internally was empty and lonely, asking questions like, is this it? I'm not a good person. How could, this, how could anyone ever love me? And then Jesus comes and says to him a simple call. Hey, follow me. Follow me. And Matthew says he got up and he followed Jesus. I'm in. I'm all in. Okay? Jesus says, I have the answer to your greed. It's To be generous, open handed, to giving. I have the answer to your sins and your guilt and your shame. I'm going all the way to the cross. Okay, you can be forgiven. You can, as far as, like Laura and Brenda prayed about and read, as far as East is from the West, your shame, your guilt can be atoned for. Your loneliness, I'll be with you, you'll be with me, and we got a group here of sinners who've repented. Amen? The answer to greed, sin, guilt, shame, and loneliness is Jesus, is Jesus. What do you want? I want to follow Jesus. You know, some of us, we, we're, really, we're still on the fence of whether we want to be all-in disciple and follow Jesus, or whether we just kind of want to be, I mean, we're at church, so there's some kind of religiousness to us, but we've honestly got one foot in the world, and we got one foot in church. And we haven't yet decided, either I'm going to go all the way in, Or I'm going to go all the way out. And so Jesus calls us, hey, examine your faith. It's time. It's time to make a decision. Either get all the way in and follow me or stop playing religious games. Okay? So what do you want? I want to be a disciple. Do you believe? Yes. Obviously, Matthew believed. That's why he got up and followed him. Um, Belief must be strong enough to overcome our sinful desires. Do you think Matthew still struggled with greed. Of course he did. But following Jesus helped him overcome. So he repented. Belief, though, it's not just our sinful desires. Belief must overcome our internal accusations. What are some of the accusations? You know, Satan says night and day he accuses. He's the great accuser. What are some of the accusations you think Matthew had to process in following Jesus? Let's... Let's participate a little bit. What were some of the accusations you think a tax collector might face? He's a traitor. Yep. What else do you think? I'm a thief. I'm no good. Who would trust me, right? Now now I'm going to go and try to share Jesus with the people I've cheated, Mm -hmm. right? How's that going to go? How about something just? Who who am I? How could I follow Jesus? He's good. He heals people. I just cheat people. I'm no good, right? Do you ever get the uh, the I'm no goods, I'm no good, I'm no good, type of thing going on? I've I've sinned. I've struggled. I've I've repented in the past. I've committed this sin. I'm such a wretch. I'm no good, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. I think there was a lot of accusations. That Matthew had to overcome but that's this is what overcomes those that vo- those voices is our faith our faith in Jesus Jesus is calling me then I can do it if Jesus is calling me to follow him then I can follow him he must think he must see something in me right I can do it okay do you believe yes a belief that overcomes sinful desires in internal accusations what's next Well, it's not complicated. He got up. He followed Jesus. But then there's another thing we see here. What immediately happened with with Matthew? It says, Then it happened that as Jesus was reclining at the table in his house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came, were dining with Jesus and his disciples. Matthew threw a big New Year's Eve party, or whatever. Okay, He threw a big time where... He got his, gathered his friends. He's like, Man, I've been set free. I met Jesus. You got to meet this guy. And so, as Jesus and the disciples came, and the tax collectors and sinners came, okay? And the, all the Pharisees are like, You shouldn't be eating with those people. And Jesus is like, What are you talking about? It's not the sick who need a doctor, or it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick, okay? And so, he invited his friends. You know, we really get to know God once we start sharing God, reflecting God. Okay, so what was next for Matthew? He got up, he followed Jesus, and he invited his friends. All right, we're going to get into next week uh, the synagogue ruler, Jairus, the bleeding woman, and, and two blind men, and then the mute. And all along I want us to examine our own faith, all right? Okay, examine our faith. Where are we? What are we doing here? Elijah, what are we doing here? Where are we? What's next? Where have we been? Where are we headed? Do we be- what do we want? Do we believe that Jesus is able? Do we believe? Yes or no? Let's come to some decisions of faith. Either we believe or we don't believe. Let's decide to believe. Why do we believe? Do we believe that Jesus is able? And then what's next? What are the next steps? You know, Jesus had his faith tested as well. In the Garden of Gethsemane, in Matthew 26, his faith was being tested. And yet, he wanted us, you and I, close to him and close to the Father. That's what he wanted. He wanted to glorify God more than preserve his own comfort. He believed that he was from God and that he was returning to God. And so he embraced what was next. What was next for him was the scourging. What was next for him was the cross but it was but he also knew what was next was the resurrection amen he believed what was next was the resurrection and so he took his next steps let's go ahead and pray for our communion